0: book of Matthew chapter 5 Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3 Blessed are the poor in spirit For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that we could be here. Thank you that we don't stand alone in this uh, pulpit. That your word is taken and applied to hearts and doesn't return void. Our desire is that souls would be saved in this place today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture text here in the third, fifth chapter of Matthew, in the third verse, falls at the beginning of what's been known and called the Sermon on the Mount. It's uh, the first recorded message found in the Bible, uh, delivered by the Lord Jesus Christ to uh, masses of people. He's had other things he said, but not to uh, the masses of people. They're very weighty words. They're foundational words. At this point in the ministry of Jesus Christ, he was, of course, born some 30 years before in Bethlehem and grew up and lived in Nazareth and learned some carpentry from his stepfather, Joseph. As he approaches 30 years of age, he begins preparing for his public ministry and John the Baptist has burst on the scene and instead of John the Baptist that he came preparing a people for the Lord and he preached repentance and baptized those that were truly born again and required people to bring forth fruits evidencing their salvation before he had baptized them and Jesus came along and took from John those disciples and, and set them in his church. John identifies Jesus as the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Uh, Jesus is going to go into the wilderness and be tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. And he answers each of those temptations. Uh, He's fasted 40 days and 40 nights, not tempted. But in that time period, he is tempted and answers those temptations by the clear word of God. He begins to draw attention to himself through miracles of the changing of water into grape juice at the wedding. He's going to have interest in him that's exemplified in Nicodemus coming to Jesus Christ by night and asking him about who he is. And Jesus doesn't beat around the bush. He clearly tells them, you must be born again And curiosity is building concerning who he is in the region of Judea. So much so that he leaves Judea and he goes to Samaria. And there is where we have that great passage in John chapter 4 of the woman at the well. The woman is saved, goes back into the city and says, Come see a man who told me all about me. The great tension and great interest is building concerning his ministry. In verse 25 of chapter 4, it says, And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis, which is a 10 decade, ten, polis, city, ten city region, from Jerusalem and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. He's become a man of great interest to the Roman occupied Jewish nation that's hoping for and praying for deliverance. But he's going to set them straight. He's not come to overthrow Rome, but he's come to save his people from their sin. His kingdom. Must first begin in the hearts of men, and one day he'll be the lion of Judah. And one day he's going to come back, and the lion will lie down with the lamb. And so when we get to chapter 5, this great group of people that's talked about in the 21st verse, great multitudes or following him. He's going to have to set things straight that he might not be confused. He's going to make them understand that this is not a movement where people jump on the bandwagon and make him king of Israel. This is not about overthrowing Rome. In this Sermon on the Mount, he's going to show them that it's much deeper and far more important than just getting on the bandwagon. It's about God receiving glory. It's about being born again, being transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. It's going to be about Not only receiving life, eternal life, but also life more abundantly. People want peace with God. People want to believe in life after death. People want to think of themselves as good people. But Jesus, in this message and in the Bible, makes it very plain that those things, peace with God and being a good person, only comes through God Himself. In fact, over and over, He emphasizes uh, throughout the Bible the need for a change in a person's life that evidences salvation. He says, "Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man can see the Lord." There's this idea in in circles today that you first get saved and then afterward uh, you make Jesus Christ as Lord and you grow and He becomes Lord and you take on holiness. Well, no, you get saved, and that makes you a new creature. And when you get saved, you can't be saved unless you make him Lord. And so he's, he's saying, listen, don't come around here following me and acting like you're part of my ministry or part of what I believe without holiness. Timothy said, nevertheless, the founders of the God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. When you have a man or a woman saying that they're a Christian and they have not departed from iniquity, it's a sure sign that they've never been born again. And so Jesus comes here, and this great crowd that's following him around, and they anticipate and understand that there's something going to take place here. He's going to now address not just small groups like Nicodemus, one person, and and that, that the marriage feast, but now he's going to deliver some words to the masses. What will he say? Where is he going to begin? What is happening here? And you find that the very first words that he says are, blessed are the poor in spirit. The first word, blessed, means extremely happy. In fact, Uh, In the original um, culture that the Corne Greek was spoken and the New Testament was written from, the word blessed was only held for uh, the gods of the Greeks that could be happy. There was a very special kind of blessedness. He's going to speak about true blessedness, true happiness. These words are very weighty. They're very pregnant in meaning. They have great depth and height and length. Only a joy can come through what he's going to say. It implies inner satisfaction. It implies uh, peace within. So it's important to understand what he didn't say. He didn't say, blessed are those who are untroubled In life, the blessedness only comes to the healthy. Blessedness does not mean I'm going to be admired by others or prosperous. But when he says blessed here, it has nothing to do with how I feel or how I look or the money I have or the life I have or what I'm putting on the table. But it's a blessedness far deeper and far more important and far greater in uh, length, in fact, it's eternal. Bless, blessed is between you and God, all is well. That there's nothing between me and the Savior. That I'm blessed because I'm right with God. You're secure. You're content. You're happy. And even if you're weeping over a painful body, a broken body, or maybe you're perplexed in your mind about what's happening, or about heartbroken over a relationship that has fallen apart. This verse and this word, blessed, goes beyond all of that. It's the opposite. Many times in the Bible it says, whoa, whoa, whoa. And "woe" is the worst it can be. Whoa. But blessedness is on the complete... 180 degree opposite side there's a possibility in this life to have a life that's blessed even in the midst of turmoil that we're blessed there's a possibility to have a peace that passeth understanding and so first of all I'm just excited this morning the fact that Jesus is concerned about my life being blessed He's concerned about not only my eternal life, but he's concerned about my quality of life. And and that he cares for you this morning. That he wants your life to be blessed. He wants to to give you a life that's at peace. So when he says blessed are the poor in spirit, he is not talking here about materially Poor. There's nothing spiritual about being poor. If it was only poor people that were blessed, then we'd be wrong to help out any poor person. We'd be wrong to distribute food, be wrong to distribute goods to them. But, the, but it is poor in spirit, <clears throat> the internal side of us. The personal side of us. The spiritual side of us. Now it's important also that we understand this word poor. Blessed are the poor. There are really two words, maybe more, but two that I want to talk to you about that was used in the Korne Greek to describe poor. And, uh, and let me present those to you. First of all, there's the word poor was used. Uh, it's, it's a Greek word penance, which is neither here nor there. But it, it means, that word means that I have to work every day for my livelihood. There's very few of us in here this morning that could go two months without a salary and not be hurting. And so we're not Rockefellers and we're not Rothschilds and we're not Kennedys and We don't have the wealth of Donald Trump, and most of us have to get out there and get after it, otherwise we're going to be hurting. And and so that first word, penance, it has to do with that idea that we're poor and we need to labor and toil. We just can't sit around and things fall into our lap. But the second word is, is a word that means a beggar, one that's cowering and and cringing. It's idea of shrinking from something. It carries a classic idea of begging out of shame. This is not talking about the guy over by uh, Fred Meyer or over by Walmart who is in the median there and he's got his sign up and he, he's asking for something and he's wanting money and if you watch him after a while he'll pull out his iphone that's more expensive than yours and when he leaves he goes and climbs in a car that is better than your car and it's not talking about that kind of poor this guy's a beggar he he he's uh he's he's the one who uh, crouches he's unwilling it's it's like a like a guy goes over into the corner and he and he kneels down and and he, he, he doesn't want to be seen. He's, uh, he's sitting there and, and he doesn't even want to lift his head. He, he, he's, he's needy. He can't work. Maybe he's disabled. Maybe his legs, maybe he's crippled. He, and, he, and he can't, he, all he can do is beg. He can't do anything else. He's not just panhandling. It's not panhandling at all. And we don't see that much in the United States, but we, we do see that in the Bible, and we do see it in other countries. But he, he's, he's so poor that, that he, he, the only thing he can do is beg for food and beg for sustenance. He has no fl- influence, he has no wealth, he has no position, he has no honor, he has no respect. And in some cases, all he has is the ragged clothes Upon his back, and so I'm speaking spiritually. That in my in my innermost being, there's nothing that I can exalt to the world. There's nothing that I have to offer to the world. There's nothing that I have that's going to to make a, a impression upon anyone. There's nothing that there's nothing that I can do to gain. Uh, value with you. There's nothing I can do. As we use the word impression, there's nothing I can do to impress you. There's there's no amount, you know. There's no amount of uh, tit for tat that I, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. You know, we always say we always say when we see those guys uh, begging over there, we say we, we want to stop. We don't. Say, I've never said this, but I've always wanted to stop. Hey, they're hiring over McDonald's. Go to work. These, this guy cannot work. There's nothing he could do spiritually. He's broken. Spiritually, he is nothing. Spiritually, he's poor in spirit. Let me give you an example of that in the New Testament. In Luke chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18 and verse 9. Luke 18 and 9. And they speak this parable into a certain which trusted in themselves. And so here's people that we would ask them, do you consider yourself a good person? They said, well, of course I consider myself a good person. I maybe have some flaws. but Yeah, I think I'm a good person. And so they're trusting in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Isn't that interesting? He wasn't praying with God. There was no communication between he and God. God resisteth the proud. And he's praying with himself. And he says, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. And his hand is patting himself on the back. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even of this publican, this tax collector. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess." So he's very rich in his own mind in the spiritual realm. And the public can stand afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven. He wouldn't even lift up his eyes. He's smote upon his breast, which is a sign of remorse, a sign of grieving, To smite upon your breast. And he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for every one that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that hones himself shall be exalted. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you this morning, if you've come to this place, Thinking, I'm okay and you're okay. Me and God, we're, we're all right. You know, I'm not perfect, but I'm all right with God. If somehow we think that this thing about being born again is a concept that kind of eludes you, and, you know, I feel like I've, I'm okay, I feel like that, you know, I've, I believe in God after all if you've not come to this place this morning and understand some point in your time that you are spiritually bankrupt, that you're without hope and without God, that you've fallen far short of the glory of God, that there's nothing that you can do to impress God, then you're not going to have any part in the kingdom of heaven. Only those who are poor in spirit are going to be blessed. They're going to have to come a place in your life where you realize what the Bible says that they were altogether unprofitable is talking about you. Altogether unprofitable. You understand what that means? There's, there's nothing in my life that's beneficial. I'm just a beggar. I can't offer anything. I can't bargain with you, God, over anything. I can't clean up my life and somehow impress you in any way. I'm a sinner. And here, the contrast is very much seen when the Pharisee is bragging about his goodness and the publican cries out, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And only the publican went back home. Having the kingdom of God his. It's the spirit of Isaiah. When he got a revelation of God in chapter 6 of the the book of Isaiah. He said, woe is me. (laughs) Woe, not blessed, but woe is me. I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He considers himself undone and unclean. So many people, and even in my life, I tried this, but in many, they, they want to come to God on their own terms. They come with their high looks and their proud hearts. They come to God uh, giving him a tryout and trying out for God. Well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start going to church and I'm going to start, you know, being religious. And I'll give God a tryout. I'll give him a chance to prove himself. And I'll give him a chance to see what he can do for me. And I, in turn, will, will try to impress him. They give God a tryout like a running back tries out for a football team. But can a man with no legs, begging on the street corner, run for touchdowns? Spiritually, we're going to have to come to a place where we're destitute beggars. You see, we are not in a bargaining position. Years ago, I went to Washington, D.C. when I was helping a missionary uh, back in Virginia area. And what shocked me more than anything was the beggars on the, the square out there between the uh, White House and, and uh, Lincoln Memorial. And, and going around, what a foolish thing it would have been if I would have stopped one of those beggars and be, talked to him. And he said, right now I'm in negotiations to become an a, a aide to the president. He's a beggar. Let me say to you as kindly as I can, God is not impressed with you. I may say to you, it's by the grace of God that we who are saved are what we are. Before that, we were beggars. Destitute beggars. If you've not come to God humble as a little child, needing His hand held, and all his needs provided, you will not know the blessedness in Matthew chapter five and verse three. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Luke 17 says, Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. On the day that I uh, cried out to God, when I made a move to, by faith, trust in Him, there's something happened inside of me. We became a new creature. But what is involved in that is that I became part of the kingdom of God that very day. I live as a citizen of the United States of America, but I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. I belong in his kingdom. Colossians says, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his Son. And so spiritually, Christ lives with us that are saved. His Spirit indwells us, communes with us. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. But also the kingdom of God is in a future sense because the Lord is coming again and he will rule and reign in this earth. These words, not only blessed are the poor in spirit, applied to the lost man, but these words also instruct us that are already citizens of heaven. At times we get kind of full of ourselves, and at times we forget that it's by the grace of God that we are what we are. In those times we grieve the spirit and we quench the spirit. And he's saying, listen, if you want your life to be blessed, even... As a child of God, not that you lose your salvation, but we can live in a in a in a in a sense where we are not living in a sense where we give Him the glory and the honor. And too often in our lives, pride raises its ugly head, and we're not blessed. We're not happy. We're not content, even though are a child of God. And that's because God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And if we won't humble ourselves, then God's going to resist that. And he wants us to do away with strife and vainglory. Years and years ago, probably over 35 years ago, I received this invitation, they must have mailed it out to all the churches on their mailing list, but I received this invitation for our youth to go to a youth fellowship in Belmore Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. In the fellowship, there was going to be some competition. Prizes were going to be given. Prizes were given to the best churches singing group, the best solo, the best Bible storytelling, and the best preaching, but I noticed that there was no gifts given for being humble and poor in spirit. Listen, let's never forget that By the grace of God we are what we are. Let us never forget that in the kingdom of God you must go down before you can go up. Let us never forget that the kingdom, the greatest of all, is a servant of all. And let us never forget that when we do serve, we've simply done what was our duty to do. And let us never forget, as I've quoted, that God gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and he'll exalt you in due time. And so, how then, if I'm going to be blessed by being poor in spirit, how do I obtain that? How do I, how do I work? What do I do? What do I, what do I have to be exposed to to put myself in a place where I can be part of the kingdom of God? How can I be poor in spirit? Well, The first thing I need to do is I need to lay my life down next to the Lord's. We truly want to, there's something deep within us in our fallen nature that truly wants us to say, I'm a good person. There's only one real good person, and he's without sin. And he says, be ye holy as I am holy. Woe is me, I'm undone. When I compare myself to the Lord, I find that I am spiritually bankrupt. There's, when you're bankrupt, there's nothing left in the coffers. There's nothing left in the safe. There's nothing left in the bank account. And when I compare myself with the Lord, there's nothing, there's not one cent that I can pull out and say, I got this, Lord. Look at this. I got this penny here. No, I'm bankrupt. Romans says this, (laughs) not easy to take. We're all together unprofitable. What does that mean? It means there's nothing spiritually about Gene Humphrey that is profitable to God. I'm bankrupt. Until I come to that place where I'm poor in spirit and all I can do is sit down and hold my head down and, 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 and beg, I have nothing to offer God. You have nothing to offer God. But miraculously, God says in this passage, if you'll come to that conclusion, if you'll grip that with your mind and with your heart and your spiritual being and understand that you cannot do anything to better yourself and know that your hope lies only in one place, and that's in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, then you can come to a place where I'm happy, I'm overwhelmed that Jesus saved a wretch like me. They've taken out of many hymn books that word worm, you know, that they saved a sinner such as I when the original writing was they saved the worm such as I. Listen, spiritually, we're worms. That's not demeaning. I'm not preaching a message here this morning that's trying to demean you or put you down. Listen, you can't go any lower than what you are spiritually without the Lord. I'm simply telling you the truth. And until you come to a place where you're poor in spirit, when you say, woe is me, when you understand without God, you're lost, you're lost, you're lost. And you're bound for eternity in the lake of fire. Amen. Until you understand that, you'll never be born again. That's why he said to Nicodemus, who was a leader of the Jews, <laughs> he, was, he, was a, he, was a, he had a name. He was part of the Sanhedrin. And he came and he said, good master. And he wanted somehow to impress Jesus. He wanted to jump on the bandwagon. He wanted to end with Jesus. He wanted to have some points, brownie points with Jesus. And Jesus looked at Nicodemus and he said this, you must be born again. Oh, listen, you that's come here this morning, you've not settled the eternal destiny with God. You must be born again. You cannot impress the Lord. We're not good people. To lie is to be known as a liar. To steal is theft. To use God's name in vain is to blaspheme God. To look with lust in your heart is to commit adultery already in your heart. And Isaiah reminds us that all that we have, that we count good, all this stuff in our life that we think is valuable, Isaiah says to us, but we are all as an unclean thing, nothing clean about us. And all of our righteousnesses, all of our good things, all this thing that got piled up over here. And this is, this is, this is the thing that I want to, you to observe, God. This is the thing I want you to see. I want you to understand that I've done this. I don't beat my wife and I pay my taxes and I go to work daily. And I have all these things here that that are, that are that I want to you to look at and to observe that I might make some merit with you spiritually. And he says all those things. Or it's filthy rags. Mm -hmm. It's to take out my snot rag here and (laughs) fill it full of big goobers. Dig in there and get some old burgers out. And say, here, I want to give you a present. Really, that word is more than just a snot rag. It has to do with even worse stuff. You're not impressing God. All our righteousness are filthy lag, rags. And all we fade is a leaf, and our iniquities have like the wind have taken us away. Poorness in spirit comes by laying my life down next to the Lord. Listen, we can always find someone that we compare ourselves among ourselves that we consider ourselves better. I had a guy tell me one time, I'm better than you and you know it. I won't tell you all that story. (laughs) (laughs) Be therefore perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Have you met that standard? Be you holy as I am holy. Have you met that standard? If I want to become poor in spirit, the more I look at the Lord, the poorer I get. So, how do I become poor? Well, I compare myself with God and His standard of the Ten Commandments. But secondly, I pray. I speak. I call out. You see, as a beggar, as a beggar is there on the corner, he can't say, I'll go work for you today. Will you, will you pay me a day's wages if I go to work for you? We have the example of that in the Bible the Lord hired people at different times of the day and paid them. He can't work. It's like a guy with no legs, and he's here, and his head is down. He he can barely walk on his stumps. He can't walk to the Lord. He can't work for the Lord. So what does he do? What does he do? He says, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Please help me, Lord. Lord, save me. Oh, you that are in here today and you're trying to impress God with yourself. May you understand you're a man with his legs cut off that can do nothing to impress God. But he's given you a heart and he's given you a mind. And he's given you an eternal voice, a spiritual voice. You may not say it out loud. But you say, Lord, I can't do it. Lord, I need a drink and I have no water. I need spiritual food and I have no food. Lord, help me. If you'll humble yourself to that point... And realize the seriousness of the spiritual condition you're in. The Lord will give you legs. And He'll give you life. And he'll give you purpose. And he'll give you a sonship. And He'll give you forgiveness of sins. And He'll give you life and life more abundantly. But you see, some of you won't do it because you're too proud. and your future is hell. Won't you quit Mickey mouse around? Won't you trust the Lord? You're bankrupt. <coughs> you have no good deeds. There was an artist searching for a man to paint a picture of the prodigal son, the story of the Bible, where the man went down and was in the pig pen, and he said, "I'll rise and go to my father." And he saw this beggar in the street, and he asked him to come to his studio the next day and pose for him, and he promised to pay him. And at the appointed time the next day, the man entered his studio, and he was neatly shaven and all dressed up, and. The artist said, who are you? He said, I'm the beggar. I thought I'd get cleaned up before I got painted. And the artist said, I can't use you. Go back home. And some of you today want to clean yourself up. God can do something with a man who's poor in spirit. But he can't do anything with a man trying to clean himself up. We're going to sing here shortly an old, old, familiar song. Just as I am. Just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. That's the heart of a beggar, poor in spirit,